Hi, my name is Randy May, and welcome to Decoding the Man podcast. Here at Decoding the Man, we have real conversations with real men and people in their lives. Whether we're talking about relationships, family life, masculinity, vulnerability, or mental health, we're having deeper conversations in a safe space. So buckle up, get comfortable, get a coffee, and listen in whether you're driving or sitting on the couch today. Get inspired, reflect, and have real conversations in your own life. At Decoding the Man, we're all about having a little bit of fun and getting a little bit deeper. The views expressed by the individuals in this podcast are solely the opinions and experiences of the guests of Decoding the Man. Hi, my name is Randy May, and we're tuning in from Decoding the Man with Movember. And today we have Dr. John Olive, and he's tuning in from Vancouver. And he's going to tell us a little bit about the impact on men's mental health uh, and his role in the Movember movement. So I'd like to welcome Dr. John Olive today. Yeah, hi, Randy. Um, yeah, great to talk with you. It's really nice to meet you. Um, so I do some work with Movember. Um, uh, they funded some some work that we did back in 2013, and it was around men's depression and suicide. And I've since worked with them uh, on an ongoing basis, and and in fact, doing some work with them at the moment around men building better relationships. So yeah, um, my my work has been uh, been great to to be able to collaborate with uh, with my family. Yeah, you're doing some really important work that's necessary for mental health, especially for men. I'd love to hear a little bit about what got you inspired to work with Movember. Um, always liked the brand. I thought, you know, being a, an Aussie expat, I, I always liked the story about how it began, that it was grassroots level and that it was focused on guys in terms of their health. Um, I was a clinician for, for 20 years. I worked in an emergency department and, and used to see a lot of things that I couldn't quite make sense of in terms of how people would present, especially guys. Right. Um, and so just terrific to be able to research some of those, some of those things that you saw clinically yeah. um, and to be able to work with guys in a, in a research capacity. So it's been a, been a super, super ride, super interesting. And what are some of the things that you saw when you worked with men that you want to kind of expand and explore? Yeah, so behaviour-wise, um, I always remember working, you know, uh, at triage. And so, you know, 100 people would come in during the day and you would have to decide who was going to get seen first based on what you saw symptom-wise and, and presentations. And the one that always struck me was uh, the guys that would come in and they'd be diaphoretic, so they'd be sweating, they'd be clutching middle chest. Right. And denying any chest pain or any issue. You know, they'd been right. kind of dragged in by their spouse. And I saw that just countless times and it always used to um, trouble me, you know, uh, but, but it, was, it was devoid of a really clear explanation, you know, even when you talk to the guys. So they'd, they'd downcast it or they'd, you know, downgrade it and, and come in very, very late, you know, right. um, and still be denying it as they were on the verge of getting treatment. So it was, it was just interesting. So some of the behaviours... You know, you wonder where they come from. And um, doing the research has just been interesting in terms of understanding that. And I, and I would say too, you know, in terms of the, the COVID piece, a lot of guys probably underestimate the stress they're under um, right. and some of the challenges they're getting. Yeah, what are some of the things you noticed in your research when you got a little bit deeper into 
Um, why do men maybe downplay when they're experiencing something? Yeah, for me, I see a pattern a lot of times um, where guys will um, have an injury, they'll, they'll be carrying some kind of pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical right. pain, and they'll tend to look internally, you know, as a first point of call. Right. And oftentimes looking to um, solve their problem. And it might just be outside of their realm, you know, in a particular right. case. And oftentimes the thing that you might do is you might reach out for substance, substance use, you know, you might sort of try to dull the pain in different ways or get a little bit of respite from it. Um, but ultimately, you know, when those problems aren't within your capacity to solve, um, creates a can create a few issues for guys where they kind of just need a little bit of a hand, a little bit of a help. And, and I think strategies sometimes, you know, we're not always good at changing strategies to adapt to the problem and overcome some of the challenges. Right. And thinking about strategies, I think a lot of listeners would love to hear, uh, what's a strategy that you would recommend? Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think that guys take some solace from is understanding that they're not the only guy going through it. Right. So, you know, if you're distressed and, and, and some things are happening for you, you might want to cover up. But to actually understand that other guys are going through the exact same things I think can be a great leveller. Right. Um, you know, the permission to talk, you know, the permission to chat and, and say what's really going on for you I think is, is something that guys value. They don't lead with it generally. Generally, you've got to give them a cue to, to maybe elaborate on what they're talking about and say a little bit more and give you a bit more context. And I think, you know, those are a couple of things that we can really help blokes, you know, sort of open up a little bit and, and have a bit of a chat. Because sometimes the problems aren't really helped by keeping them kind of internalised. Um, you know, and it's not that you're looking for someone to solve your problems, it's that you know, sharing a bit of a, a challenge with someone, I think, can can help you, you know? Yeah, it's kind of how do we break that ice to get past kind of like that I'm fine wall. Um, and if you had like maybe a couple of cues that can help us help other people open up, what would they be? Sure. So we do a, we do a lot of qualitative work where we, we focus on open-ended questions. So... You know, things, oftentimes guys will give you a bit of a cue. Um, they might, you know, sort of say, oh, yeah, I was a bit stressed out with this or this happened and I didn't know what to make, you know, what to make of it. And you might just, it might be as simple as, you know, something like, you know, can you say a little bit more about that? You know, um, okay. what happened then? Just to elaborate, because if you let it pass and, and you might want to circle back to it later, it might feel a bit more awkward rather than in the moment just to, you know, say a little bit more about that and, and just help them to, to have the opportunity to say. Because if they've introduced it, chances are, you know, they could probably, probably draw some benefit by chatting about whatever it is in a little bit more detail. Right. And what do you think, what, what comes to mind from like a research perspective or even your 20 years of practice, like what comes to mind at some of the barriers? Like why, why does this happen? Why, why um, and what's connected to men's masculinity that stops us or stops men at saying, okay, or I'm fine. Do you have any insight that I'd love to know a little bit more about that? 
I think there's some conditioning that goes on that, that guys are meant to be able to look after their own problems okay. and that they're meant to be, you know, kind of quiet about the ones they can't look after. So I, th I think it's kind of, it, it's normed that you, you don't whine, you know, right. ideally, um, that you don't trouble people and be burdensome on people with your problems, that you, that, you know, those sorts of things, to be independent and to be strong. Um, the flip is, is those very same normative kind of frames can be fantastic in helping guys actually speak up. So the courage to admit a vulnerability or a fragility around something that's occurring or has happened that's troubled us um, and the ability to listen um, to other people and, and talk through it, I think is, is really important. The, and, and one of the blind spots in this is that you're not being burdensome. There's actually a reciprocity in this. You know, I always encourage folks, to, guys to think about having a chat with someone, you know, sure, talking about what's going on for you, but, but inviting them into that space too about what's happening for you. It's a reciprocity in terms of, you know, um, shooting the breeze and with some solid banter about, you know, the real things that are going on for us. Right. You feel like that's something that's um, that is generational with men, that's different for every generation right now, or do you think that's something that happens across generationally? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure. I, I see pockets of guys, younger guys, connecting really, really well. Okay. And um, on a different level to perhaps what I did growing up and, and certainly my father's kind of age group. Um, I'd like to think that it's shifting a little bit. I think it's very contextual, right. nonetheless. I think it's, you know, the circumstances that you're in and when you connect with people, um, it depends on who's on the end of it. But we often say masculinity is co-constructed. So if I've, if I've got someone who's kind of open to the conversation, I'll feel it and I'll move forward. Right. But in some situations, I can be, we can all be shut down very, very quickly. Right. So. You know, so there's, I think there's a generational openness to chatting uh, amongst guys and, and I hope that continues and I hope that grows. Um, but still contextually, it's um, these interactions, uh, they're very, um, you know, they, they're very diverse, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm glad to hear that you feel it's, um, it's shifting. Uh, for the newer generation coming up and I'm just curious about like how, what's this can what's the connection that you've seen shift over your practice between masculinity and mental health um, I guess there's a I think there I'd like to think there's an an increasing openness to talking about mental health um, yeah. I, I, th I think that over the last probably oh, 10 or 20 years and a lot of this, uh, a nod to Movember in the work they've funded and, and, and the way they talk about mental health, um, that destigmatizing kind of agent and doing that work I think is massive for creating the space around it's not weak, you know, to necessarily have a, a bit of a, an anxiety or some depressive symptoms going on. Um, it's not weak to ask for some help when you need it. Um, it's right. not weak to disclose that you've got some challenges um, and some vulnerabilities um, because we all carry them and, um, you know, articulating them uh, doesn't make them worse. It tends to make them a little bit better, 
you know, uh, in terms of, of having those those conversations. So I think there has been some shifts, some destigmatizing shifts. Okay. And if you could tell us a little bit about your research, I'd like to learn more. Sure. About what you're working um, on. Yeah. So for a long time, we've been doing work in depression and suicidality. Um, and so uh, just briefly, a couple of things. Um, we believe that depression often shows up in men a little bit differently than some of the generic screening tools. So we right. think that anger, irritability, alcohol, overuse, um, uh, risk-taking might actually be early signs of depressive symptoms in men. So that's that's one of the parts that we've been doing, doing a lot of work on that. Um, and also um, with Movember's own, Zach Seidler, been doing some work around um, the idea that guys do go and get help and then they might fall away from help because it's not quite fitting their needs or they're feeling it doesn't quite fix them, so to speak. And, and so doing some work in that space as well to try to, when we talk about tailored services, you know, um, building things that we think might be better able to help guys, you know, when they do arrive uh, in clinical practice, when they're courageous enough to, to kind of ask for help in a, in a formalised kind of way, that we um, can better better meet their needs. So that's a couple of the areas. Um, and I'll just throw in one brief one, really, just around the, the men building better relationships. Um, for a long time, there's been this, uh, this idea that when men's relationships break down, they become more vulnerable to mental illness. Right. Um, but there's very little research out there that kind of connects them in homespun ways. But, but also there's very little out there that, talks about how men are meant to build better relationships. So okay. we're doing some work in that space at the moment and that's, that's really exciting for us uh, to, to think about what could you build that would make guys better in their, in their day-to-day relationships and intimate partner relationships as well. Can you give us one tip about what, what men could do differently? Yeah, I'm really interested in, like, when you talk about there's a gap and, like, what men can do differently to enhance their relationships. Yeah, so, you know, a full disclosure, I'm not a relationship expert at all. Yeah, that's okay. But, that's okay. But, uh, but, but just to say, the things that we're, that we're finding, um, what's interesting to me is that guys often don't think about their relationships until the relationship's in trouble. And then they don't think about the help and because they're a bit reticent to, to seek help. It, it's like like other men's health issues playing out in the relationship space. Yeah. So yeah. I, my, just from the, the little bit of research that we've done so far about quarter way through this, um, my sense is, is that guys need to be prepared to work through relationships as in... Um, uh, whether it's to grow the relationship or whether it's about the relationship breaking down. And a lot of it comes down to communication, like, like having a plan and, and, and an agreement around how this relationship plays. So some, some, some guiding rules. Most of the guys we've spoken to so far, they just kind of dropped into a relationship and didn't really think about the terms under which they were they were working with their partners. And, and I know it sounds a little bit businessy, but, but it's not. I think that's what blindsides a lot of guys. They're not quite 
they just jump in and, and they're not quite working their way through, you know, the, the roles and the responsibilities, you know, within the relationship. Yeah, I think it really resonated, well, at least with me, I'm sure it will resonate with other listeners that um, sometimes men might think about um, how the relationship is doing when it gets in trouble. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like yeah. the health piece where, where oh, I've got pain, I've had it for a week, now I'll go see someone. Right. And it's, it's a bit like it, that's exactly what it looks like in terms of relationships because if, no, you know, if you're not seeing a problem, you know, um, then what, why would you be doing any development work around the relationship? It must be okay. And I, right. and I think, um, I think we could do a better job of, of just thinking about how we could be just great and better in our relationships. Uh, thank you for exploring that. Cause I think it's something that's really important. I mean, relationships, I think it still ties back to mental health, what kind of relationships we have with people. It also ties back to how openly we'll be willing to, you know, men specifically, how open men will be willing to talk about the, the physical challenges that they could be going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think um, relationships, you know, uh, there's, some, there's some old research that shows that, you know, married men, partnered men live longer. You know, I think there's, there's some real health promotion moments here in terms of if, if we could better equip guys to, to be great in their relationships that, that draw a lot of health benefits, you know, from within, um, as would partners, right? Absolutely. No, I think that's great. Um, and when you start to think about, um, we're going in, we had experienced COVID this summer, <laughs> uh, and we're starting to go into the winter months. Um, and so people will either be quarantined with somebody or on their own. Um, what are some of the things that you think could help men, especially uh, on that journey? Should we go into, you know, different, we, we're going through the winter or fall season. And if we go into quarantine again, what are some things that you think would be beneficial to men for their mental health and well-being? Yeah, I think, um, I think the acknowledgement that this has been a longer game than we thought, I yeah. think is, is is really important and and as you as you suggest you know the the seasonal changes can be challenging anyway let alone when you've been kind of locked down for six months coming into those so anxiety is to my mind something that you know mild forms of anxiety at the moment are completely completely legitimate you know there's a there's a worry about you know how long this goes on for um i think adapting you know, is important. And when it turns into a long game, my experience is that the things that can help is, is, is establishing a routine. And, and, and I know exercise gets troped out the whole time, you yeah. know, as, as something that can help. I think especially in the context of fall and going into winter, to keep physically active I think is important because it does lift mood. It also gets us outside um, in, yeah. in some way, shape or form, which I think is super important. Um, it helps us that way. And I think, you know, diet's the other thing. Um, you know, having just, like, discovered Uber Eats the way I have recently, you know, yeah. going into, you know, and it's so convenient, right? I know. But it's, <laughs> it's, 
Anyway, no, I, just, I, I just deleted it off my phone because it was really? problematic. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm still doing Johnny Rockets. But I'm, I'm, anyway, I'm here for the advice. So I'm, yeah. just to say, um, think about diet a little bit, you know, about the things we're eating and, and, and kind of the limits of comfort food. And just, you know, kind of getting back on a little bit of routine, a little bit more cooking and, and, and those sorts of things. Because um, I think diet and exercise, basic kind of things, and we want to reward ourselves because it has been a long game and looks like going on, you know, a lot longer. Then, you know, it's just about trying to build in the good habits that yeah. we probably had established when we were, you know, out and about under under different circumstances. So there'll be a couple of things. And the other, the other bit is... Um, you know, everyone's different, but I, I certainly, um, I limit the amount of news that I'm exposed to. So I, I get travel advisories to, to sort of, which are official things about what's opening up and what's not. Right. Um, but I really, I'm really careful about just how much, um, I want to, you know, engage the blow by blow case by case numbers uh, going forward and it's not to blunt the experience but it is to say that some of it um, just makes you more anxious you know so to limit some of some of that uh, some of that information I think is wise as well at the moment. Okay no we, I really appreciate that so much because it kind of breaks it down because diet matters too you know yeah. what kind of fuel are we giving the body and mostly the brain. Yeah agreed. And, and I'll, I will try to delete my app at some point. <laughs> we don't, it's not that Uber Eats, just a disclaimer. Oh, yes. So, uh, decoding the man and Movember, we support Uber Eats. We do. Uh, the, the personal views of Randy May and Dr. John Olive <laughs> due to their personal experiences. That's right. Overindulgence. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I totally hear you on that for sure, though. Um, trying to make better choices, especially when we are um, under pressure in different ways. I mean, what are some of the trends that you've found uh, for men's health since the pandemic started? Yeah, I, um, I was just looking at some, some data, um, some Canadian data, and uh, anxiety is one that, that shows up in a moderate way. Um, you know, so I think that's there's been a few challenges. I, I'm not 100% sure of this, but uh, there have been some reports that suggest that alcohol use is up. Okay. Um, so I guess, you know, uh, uh, there's a couple of things there, um, you know, worth thinking about. And, and one's about, you know, moderation and, uh, and thinking about, you know, uh, um, being kind of locked down and, and, then, and then kind of having a drink and, 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 and usage of alcohol. So... You know, one of the things that I do, and this is just a personal tip, you know, I, I count the alcohol-free days. I actually, you know, I have a list and I go year by year and I watch them. And right. at the moment, I'm actually, I'm tracking really well this year, um, but I'm keeping a closer eye on it this year as well, just because, you know, we're home and working right. from home. So um, I think, you know, some of those things are, are worthwhile. And the anxiety, I think, is very, is very much a, a common um, peace for people um, and, you know, just limiting exposures. I think, you know, again, it's, it's probably one of the ways and focusing on what you can do and what you can do that might upskill you, that might invigorate you. Um, that's not necessarily always about screen time, you know, might, Absolutely. Be, might be things to think about. 
Absolutely. And if you can give people like, you know, a little bit of insight to what would, why they should be a part of Movember, maybe three things, three reasons why you think people should be a part of the Movember movement and participate. Um, number one is uh, charities uh, do an amazing job, none more so than, than Movember. They've been very, very focused. Um, they have, they've been in this a long time and done a great job. And as a men's health researcher, um, just been phenomenal in terms of their support of research, but also interventions. Um, so I think that's that's probably three, but I'll 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 break them up a little bit. I put three together. I bundled. I bundled. Um, I appreciate just, the bundle. Uh, <laughs> um, just um, second, I'd just say just to, to to reiterate that it's that it's donating to interventions and so programs that make a difference in guys' lives. So yeah. I think that's massive because then it's not donating to something that that you're not really sure where it's going. You, you can see outcomes. So I think that's fantastic. Um, and I think thirdly, I, I really like the inclusivity of Movember. It just it involves lots of folks um, in a common cause, um, but some fun. And, and don't underestimate the, 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 the value of a bit of humour, a bit of fun, and it's it's done in a light way around really serious business, and and I, I love that about the brand. Yeah, I think you're you are a testament to where uh, the money goes because you're doing some really great work on building awareness about men's health and research, um, and giving people an opportunity to learn more. And you, it sounds like your research will help destigmatize mental health and the things that men experience with telling their stories and opening up. Thanks for that, Randy. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. It's been like I say, it's been um, been a great association, and we've just really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's great. Uh, and give us one reason, maybe in a sentence or two, about why you mow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, grand assumption there. I say I have. So I I mow be I mow because I can. <laughs> That works. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. So November first, we're gonna see the mustache grow in. <laughs> yeah, check in with me. I've started. Can you tell? <laughs> uh, I five o'clock shadow. It's coming in. It's coming in. <laughs> Mostly like <laughs> just hide mine. <laughs> But that's okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been really lovely. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to laugh with us, to give us some really important insight uh, and to really give people, let people understand like what, what being a part of Movember is and it, you know, it's funding, um, change, motivation, destigmatizing mental health and uh, men's physical health, but really it's also giving an opportunity for amazing people like yourself to do research and, and make some groundbreaking change. For so sure. thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Randy. Nice to talk to you. Oh, great to talk to you too. Thank you for listening to Decoding the Man. 
If you have any questions, suggestions, or a topic that stood out to you or you're seeking support, please email us at decodingtheman at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at decodingtheman. We'd like to thank Carissa McLeod, our social media and audio producer, Brian Sudema, our executive producer, and our theme song, Darling, is brought to you by David Porges.